Davidson of Good Fight Ministries, and I am actually in Costa Rica right now. That is why uh, you are seeing a little bit of the, so to speak, you are seeing some of the places around us. Uh, uh, we've been getting rained on a lot today, but we've actually got some great praise reports to talk about. We have some awesome just things to discuss in terms of people we've shared the gospel with and also when it comes to how to share the gospel. We're going to be talking a little bit today about different religions and different worldviews and so forth and how we are able to still not only defend our faith but also be able to share it. But it's so awesome to be with you guys and I wanted to tell a few different stories of some of the things that have happened while we we're out sharing the gospel as well as discuss specifically how we could share the gospel with different religions, different different groups of religious systems that teach certain doctrines and how we can best convey our faith uh, in, a, in a way that is obviously biblical, but also in a way that will share the truth with those who are in desperate need of it. I remember when I first came to Christ, one of the things that I noticed immediately was that there were a lot of different people who believe a lot of different things. And one of the things that we always have found over the years, not only myself, but just about every blood-bought believer, really, including when we look at church history, is whenever there is a deviation from Scripture, whenever there is somebody that goes off from what the Bible clearly teaches, uh, that is where we see rank and ugly heresy. And typically, not only do we see false doctrine, but what we would expect as well, and that is false living that happens and accompanies those false belief systems. So one of the things that we want to do in this 511 News Show is to discuss how we can convey the gospel of the of what the scriptures actually teach while they're here. And I think that one of the most important things is we always want to be as a ministry at, at Good Fight Ministries, we want to make sure that we're gospel oriented. You guys may come on here and, and see some great exposés. You guys may, may come on here and see the exposing of fruitless works of darkness. And one of the things is we want to do, we want to expose it because that's in keeping with Ephesians 5 verse 11. But if what we are teaching is not driving you to therefore share the gospel, then what's the point of teaching it, right? Uh, we want you saved, and if you are saved, you are going to love people enough to want them to know the truth as well. So this is a great opportunity to do that, but there is a set of verses that we love to use when it comes to sharing the gospel. And I think Colossians 4, 2 through 6 are somewhat of an anthem for us when it comes to going out and sharing the gospel. And I want to start with that. It says in verse 2 of Colossians chapter 4, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So just from the starting point, we need to recognize if we're going to be going out and sharing the gospel, we need to be in prayer and we need to be in what? An attitude of thanksgiving. That is the walk that we have. I think that when it comes to believers in Christ, if you are out sharing the gospel, if you are defending the faith, a lot of people love apologetics and we are an apologetic ministry, but that comes from 1 Peter 3.15, specifically when it talks about being ready to give a defense for what? It's not just give a defense for the doctrine that you hold to, that's true that you're holding it, but also it says quite clearly that we are to give a defense for the hope that is within us. And I think that hope comes, and people seeing that hope, a true reality of that hope living inside of us, is that they see from us that we have a hope that the world can never offer them. People have fleeting happiness that they derive over and over again from different pleasures, whether that's from having money, whether that's from having relationships, whether it's from having social status, or even drug use and so forth. 
all of those things that people have, it's not a true attitude of thanksgiving to our Lord, and it's not true hope because it doesn't come from the joy of the Lord. It's simply a fleeting happiness that runs away. And then here's what it says in verse 3. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned. So guys, that's right there, right at the, at the just we're starting point when it comes to sharing the gospel is that we're crying out that there would be an open door for someone And we should pray this for our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world, that open doors would take place when it comes to the gospel. Uh, So that the word, and, and not only that, for the word being open to share with somebody, but I love this, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been in prison. And then it says in the next verse, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. All right, this is something that we need to prayerfully consider when it comes to the wisdom. We want it from the Lord. We want to make sure that when we speak the gospel to someone that we're doing it according to God's word and that we, uh, it's clear how we ought to speak. And then it says this uh, in verse 5, conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. That's a huge thing, guys. Let's not waste any opportunity we have. Um, there, there is a, a poem that I quote a lot on 511 News, and that's from C.T. Studd. And it's uh, some simple words that are only one life to soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life is burned out for thee. And I think this is really important for us to recognize in what it says in Ephesians, where it specifically talks about making the most of our time because the days are evil. They're fleeting. They go away really quick. So you don't have that much time on this earth. It goes really, really quick. And we want to make sure we make the most of that time. And then verse 6. And this one, I believe, uh, just goes so well with the rest of these evangelistic verses. And it says, Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And now one of the things that happens, I think, in evangelism so often is that when people are sharing the gospel, a lot of times when they do that, that sharing of the gospel can kind of have the same formula. And people will try to have this certain formula that they have when sharing the gospel. And while there are certain things that we always go back to from the Word of God and so forth, The truth is, is when it comes to sharing the gospel, there are different needs that certain people have in terms of how we share with them. And we are going to go into a little of different ways that I myself like to share the gospel with different uh, cults. And we have the image there that you guys see have a number of different religious figures, Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, Islam, and so forth on there. And I want to go different piece by piece, different ways that I've shared the gospel in the past for those who are caught up in these false religions. Hopefully I'll be able to check out uh, some of the comments you guys have. Make sure to leave a like and share if you guys uh, would like to. And if you have some questions, I'd love to try to answer them. So I'm going to start on Jehovah's Witness because we actually had some of our group actually ran into a few Jehovah's Witness right here in Costa Rica. And I got to share uh, with one the last time I was here as well. And um, there is um, just a lot of people get nervous when somebody comes knocking on their door, door to door to see, you know, hey, knock, knock, knock. Are you, uh, you know, you got Jehovah's Witness at your door. And people, I think uh, Keith Green has a song that uh, Jesus, basically Jesus came all the way from heaven down to earth and you can't even get out of bed. 
And I think that's a pretty good line. And sadly, for some Christians that I've talked to, I've said, hey, you know, I love sharing the gospel with these, that, and the other. And they say, oh, yeah, when I hear those Jehovah's Witnesses or those Mormons knocking, I don't even answer the door. And I'm like, oh, man, but I think uh, heaven just weeps, as, uh, as Keith Green once said in his song. And I, I think this is, imagine people coming to you to try to share something, but you have the truth. We should be able to share it with them. And one of the things that I've noticed when I share with those who are involved in um, the Watchtower Society is that a lot of times they have their patented answers. They have kind of a set core belief of what they're supposed to say when they knock on a door and so forth. And some of that involves having an appointment whenever they have a point that they can't uh, uh, answer typically. But there are some times, and this can happen even with different theological debates, where you can be using the same vocabulary but have a different dictionary a lot of times. And when I, what I mean by that in this sense is that for Jehovah's Witness, a lot of them don't know what Christians believe in terms of the triune Godhead. A lot, of, um, a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses have no idea what that actually means. And what they are taught over and over again is that you as Christians, as we as Christians, believe in what's called modalism. And not that they would know that by name, but they typically will ask questions along the lines of, well, here's Jesus praying. John 17 is a great example. Here's Jesus praying. Who is he praying to? Is he praying to himself when he calls God the Father, God? And that can stumble some Christians. But really, what that should stumble, or who that should stumble, are those who are involved in the oneness cults, or uh, oneness Pentecostalism, or the apostolic churches in Mexico and in other places as well, and some of these Unitarian groups. That's who that should stumble, because it makes no sense that Jesus would be talking to himself, or talking to a fortified plan, or some sort of nonsense. But for those who believe in the triune Godhead, we believe that before even anything was created, that there pre-existed the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in love and unity. So we know that the Father and the Son had a relationship, the Holy Spirit had a relationship with them as well. We don't question that, and we don't wonder how on earth that Jesus, while on earth, could pray to the Father. We recognize that so clearly. But there are a couple questions I think we can ask them to get it to a place of a good understanding, and we can do this through their own false translation, which is known as the New World Translation, or I think would better apply the New World Abomination, because that's what it is. It is an abominable translation. But nonetheless, it's not a translation because it literally just lies, but nonetheless, just as Jesus would only uh, answer the Sadducees and prove them wrong specifically through the first five books were the only five books that they had in their canon, so to speak, let's still use the Jehovah's Witness canon against them. And one of the ways we can do that is simply by asking the question, who rose Jesus from the dead? And by the way, guys, this is something you can do on Mormonism, you can do on Islam if they care about the scriptures, but they usually won't, but we'll get to that. I think we will. I'm already running late on time. But, uh, but nonetheless, who rose Jesus from the dead is a great question to ask. And one of the things that people uh, can do with this when you ask that is they will typically answer. If you ask a Jehovah's Witness who rose Jesus from the dead, they will typically say Jehovah did, right? And you can say, I totally agree. And you can find some commonality there. 
I totally agree that uh, Jehovah rose Jesus from the dead. In fact, let's go to Romans chapter 10, and we will specifically see that the text actually says that Yahweh, that Jehovah, raised him from the dead. But what I would do is start on verse 9 and go from Romans chapter 10, verse 9, all the way through 13, because it's very interesting, because even in the New World Translation, it accidentally <laughs> calls Jesus Jehovah, because in that very translation, it quotes from Joel 2.32, when it says, all who call on the name of the Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton, L, capital L-O-R-D, the Tetragrammaton in the Old Testament, which says Yahweh, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It specifically is talking about calling on the name of Jesus, the one whom God, Jehovah, raised from the dead. But even with that, you can show them that. That's awesome. But then what you do is you take them right back to John chapter 2 at verse 19 because Jesus is so abundantly clear in that text. He says, if you tear down this temple, I will raise it up in three days. And you can ask him, what temple are they talking about? And this happened uh, with my wife and I. We were out and about and uh, we ended up talking to a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses and they specifically mentioned, uh, oh, well, he was talking about the temple there that was, they would do sacrifices and so forth. And I said, ah, just keep reading because John makes it clear in the divine commentary that Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. And guys, the reason why we go to the deity of Christ here when it comes to Jehovah's Witness, one of the most important reasons that we do that is because you can get down these rabbit trails. We could get down the soul sleep or annihilationism uh, argumentation and so forth, and that can happen. But if we get back to the deity of Christ, we can get back to that important statement because we can show them also in John 8:58, where Jesus says, before Abraham was, ego I me, echoing what Yahweh identified himself as in Exodus, the third chapter. And so we can point to that. But then I like to tell them the reason why I care, the reason why I want to make it so clear that Jesus is Yahweh is because Jesus said in John 8, 24, if you do not believe that he is the I am, if you don't believe he is God, you will die in your sins. And I don't want any Jehovah's Witness to die in their sins because they've been taught and fed a false doctrine by a cult leader who was a liar himself, by an entire watchtower society who predicted the end of the world multiple times and were wrong multiple times, are false prophets, and we don't want them to die and go to hell. So nonetheless, when we uh, look at it when it comes to Mormonism, and you guys can check out, actually, uh, I see Blessed Hope Texas here, so... Um, there, James, if you want to put a link there, James has a video of myself and others. He has two different videos uh, sharing um, with Mormon, Mormons, and the story behind that is really cool, so I can give kind of a summary here, uh, but the story behind that is really cool because that was during COVID that we brought our team out to Texas to share the gospel because they were much more open than California was, so we were very limited with how much we were sharing, so it was awesome that during that time we were able to shoot on out to uh, to Texas and share the gospel. But one of the cool things was is that Mormons were actually staying home as well and weren't on the mission field because of COVID. 
But that day, they were bringing them out to kind of test them, or not test them, but to help train them. And it just so happened that they ran into us. And it was really interesting. We had a great conversation, and I'll summarize it. And James, if you could do me a favor, get that link and put that in the comments. And then maybe I can even have uh, Tommy or Josh do that after, or even Tony uh, post that after. Um, but I basically asked them the question, do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Do you believe it is God-breathed? Do you believe it is theanoustos? And uh, they will typically say yes when it's translated correctly or whatever, and that's fine. We'll, 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 we, can, we can bypass that a little bit. But um, one of the things that I love to bring up is a couple of texts in juxtaposition one from another when it comes to the Book of Mormon versus the Bible. Because Jesus was really clear that every word that proceeds out of the Father's mouth is something that we, guess what, by its nature need to trust and know that it's true because Jesus and obviously the Father, obviously the Holy Spirit cannot lie. So it is really important for us to understand that. And it also says that that's how we are sanctified. And so by its nature, thank you there, James, I see the the link on there. It's important that we understand that and we gravitate towards understanding that the Word of God is God-breathed by its nature. That's why we can trust it. So with all of that, I like to show them the contradictions in the Book of Mormon versus the Bible. And one of the things with the Book of Mormon that you will find out right away is that uh, there's not actually a lot of doctrine in there, but there are some doctrinal statements that we can use against them. All right, We could definitely pull out the Journal of Discourses and show over and over again some wicked things, specifically if you get into a longer conversation, um, things like... Uh, that Brigham Young said, and, and he would literally, when he would preach, they thought, you know, the president of uh, the Mormon uh, church and so forth, that what they were saying was the truth, and it was actually doctrinal. And so when he says on page 110 of volume 10 of the Journal of Discourses that what should I say of the African race if a person of the chosen seed sleeps with a person of the unchosen seed that they shall be put to death and this shall forever be so, we can show that's absolutely positively wicked forever. All right, that's a wicked statement from a wicked man saying a wicked thing. But nonetheless, maybe they don't know the Journal of Discourses or read it. But the Book of Mormon, when we, juxta- we put it in juxtaposition from the Bible, we can read specifically Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, which says, We are saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God and not by works, lest any man should boast. And then we go to 2 Nephi 25, 23, and see so clearly that the Bible is so clear, or the, what the Bible says is so clear, and the Book of Mormon says it very clearly as well. You're saved by grace through faith after all you can do. Those contradict one another. So which one are you going to put faith in? The one that was there 1,800 years prior or something, uh, or this one that came many, 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 many years later contradicting the very words of the apostles. So it's a great way to start uh, and share with them the truth of what the Bible says. How do you fight against the universal will? Is it 2 Nephi 25-23? Oh, perfect, Manasseh. You're seeing the, the text there. That's awesome. Um, just wanted to see some of the comments here. And then um, let me get into Islam real quick. Islam uh, I love sharing with Muslims. It's a, I'm a huge fan of it. People have different methods and so forth. Um, I have used... Oh, there's t- uh, Tony joining, joining the, uh, the shindig here. Or Tommy. 
I don't know. I know it's Tony. Um, Tommy, oh, that's to tell me there's five minutes left. Much better. This is live. Um, and uh, and uh, thank you guys so much. Um, it's just so awesome. But I do love sharing with Muslims. And in fact, uh, this last Ramadan uh, during it, and I'm not saying this is for everybody. Everyone's different. I've read through the Quran during Ramadan and tried to spend a lot of that time uh, sharing with uh, my Muslim neighbor. And most recently, uh, hey there, yeah, thanks, Tony. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, hey, Manasseh, no, we, we believe Calvinists are our brothers. Uh, sorry, that, I don't know why I let that get me off topic, but nonetheless, um, there is some predestination there in Islam to one of the tenets of their faith. But um, we, we could talk about that on another day. Um, but when it comes to, to Muslims, I have people that I love that are Muslims. I'd love to share with them. And most recently during Ramadan, my wife and my kids, we went over to a friend of mine's house and we actually ate Ramadan dinner with them and shared the gospel and went through typology with them of all the pictures uh, of the figures that we know they have in the Quran as well uh, so that they could see the pictures of Jesus Christ. And we show them love and we share with them. Uh, and it's just so awesome. Uh, I, I love sharing with them. Uh, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the one main reality that we have to share with them over and over again is the fact that they don't actually have a way to pardon sin. They don't have sin being paid for. They don't have it being bought. They just have, have it simply being forgiven sometimes. And a lot of it is works-based. People will say that, hey, it's a works-based religion. Um, but, and, and truth be told, a lot, a lot of it is. In fact, they believe there are two angels sitting on both sides of the shoulder that write down every good deed and write down every bad deed. And when they're weighed in the balance, um, that's whether or not you get into paradise or you go into eternal judgment. But there also are stories like the man who killed 99, uh, which totally throw that out as well. Uh, so, um, and I don't want to get too far into the woods, uh, into the weeds here. But it's very, very difficult when something is so man-made to understand one uh, monolithic understanding. And that's why we have the hadiths and you have people suggesting the hadiths are wrong about certain things, even though you wouldn't even know what is really going on with the Quran without the hadiths. So even though Sahih Islam says that Muhammad married Aisha when she was eight and Sahih Abu Khari, both, both which are accepted, says he uh, consummated the marriage when she was nine and all of this, there are some contradictions, but it, it is, it's very, I guess, it, it's very man-made when you really start to understand the religion and really sharing with them the truth of the gospel is so important. Uh, and all this goes back to understanding uh, the peace that we have in Jesus Christ through the finished work of, G of Jesus on the cross. And that has to do with uh, Jehovah's Witness, that has to do with Mormonism, that has to do with Islam. And that certainly has to do with Catholicism and sharing the gospel with Catholics. And I wanted to tell this story because I thought it kind of shows at least some of the spiritual climate here in Costa Rica that we've been sharing with. And my son is seven uh, years old. I have another son who's nine. And Tommy, who's behind the camera, uh, him and Tommy actually got to help lead someone to the Lord. Uh, my son um, shared the gospel with him alongside Tommy, and they actually led someone to the Lord yesterday. So that'll be a story I get full from Tommy and my son Eli and, and maybe share that on as well. But one of the cool things was yesterday, uh, at the, I believe it was, it was yesterday, uh, my son Justice and I, he really, really wanted to share the gospel. 
and we all take turns in our group. We usually person group. And when we did, we went up and walked up to this man and he seemed pretty happy. And my son Justice comes up to him and he wants to invite him to the event, which we are having tonight. So please keep that in prayer. Joe will be sharing tonight with a large group and a number of non-believers are going to be coming as well. But what my son Justice did was he asked him, um, do you go to church anywhere? And he said, yes, I'm Catholic. And he said, okay. He's like, so do you believe in Jesus? Uh, and he said, yes. And he said, you know what Jesus did for you and so forth. And he said, hey, I just want to tell you, I was actually going to be a priest. And my, my son asked him, well, why didn't you become a priest? And he said, well, because I love women too much. I wanted to be married. And he said, well, why can't you become a priest if you're married? And, uh, and by the way, just so you know, if you are in Christ, the Bible is really clear. God has made, a, made us a kingdom of priests. All right, that's what it says in Revelation chapter 1, and Peter also mentions this as well. But uh, my son Justice, yes, ju uh, <laughs> yeah, Tony, my son Justice, um, um, my son Justice loves to copy sayings that Tony makes about different uh, Dodger players. But, uh, but anyways, um, my son Justice asks him, he says, hey, um, so why can't you uh, be a priest if you love women? And he said, because the church says I can't. And Justice said, Justice said, well, where did they get that? And they, he didn't really know. And he said, well, what does the Bible say? And the guy said, well, the Bible doesn't say that, but the church does. And he said, and I disagree with the church. And my son asked him basically, well, if you disagree with the church, why do you go there? And then what was great was he said, I want to ask you a few questions. Do you know what Jesus did for you? And the guy said, yes, he died for me. He said, do you know what that means? And it was a really cool encounter because um, I've always used uh, soccer. I love, um, or football, since I'm here in Costa Rica. Uh, I love talking about soccer because it's always opened up the gospel because a lot more nations play that uh, than simply in America. And a lot of times people are really... Um, surprised when they find out a white guy in America knows a lot about soccer and they're like whoa this is great to talk with and the guy I was talking with with my son uh, actually wrote three different books on soccer so I was like wow that's really cool and we started talking about that and then when we got into the gospel uh, you got to be a gooner yeah I am a gooner <laughs> that's funny um, I know Chuck is too but um, but nonetheless when we started talking about this and started sharing uh, one with another on this specific understanding of the gospel. This is what really opened his eyes. And it was understanding the idea of tetelestai, understanding that Jesus, when he was on the cross, the things that he cried out, right? Forgive them for they know not what they do, for I thirst, all these different sayings, right, of Jesus on the cross. But that one, tetelestai, it is finished, or paid in full, that it, it, it was an accounting term, that they would stamp that when you were finished paying off of debt. And one of the interesting things was I was asking him, I said, you've heard of the Lord's Prayer, right? And of course, most Catholics recite it in recitation rather than actually uh, caring about what is being said in those words that the Lord gave us to pray. And one of the things is forgive us our debts. And I expressed to him that you had this weighty debt. I mean, we're talking about a debt that is going to need to be paid for all eternity. And when Jesus said to Telestai, paid in full, he paid the full amount. 
There is no getting it off venally, venal scenes this way, and say these Hail Marys, or get it burnt off in purgatory. It was paid in full, and until you have a understanding of the fact that His blood cleanses us from all sin, according to 1 John chapter 1, then you don't have the same Jesus that I do. You are still holding on to some Jesus who is half a Savior, or whatever percentage less than 100% a Savior, you are just simply not finding the right Jesus through what the atonement actually accomplished that cleansed us from all sin. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.